Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. They then don't look at it from the customer's perspective, which is, from the customer's perspective, this is all going to seem like us. This is all going to seem like it's it's just part of the same service. And so we need to have plans in place for when this goes wrong. You have to treat that organization as if they are part of your experience. Yes, because your customers are. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and it was like on the ground floor of this this house. What we hadn't realised was they had a basement. (laughs) (laughs) And all the water ended up in the basement. So Colin, a friend of mine, decided she wanted to do something nice for her kids. And so she and her husband bought a large trampoline to go in the Hold backyard. On. Before we, we move on here, mate. Yeah. Is this one of these stories about your friend again? No, there's there's nothing embarrassing in this story. Okay. So there's no reason. So this is a real time. story about a real friend. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I assume you're sitting down, but I'm, <laughs> I'm telling the truth uh, this time for our listeners. <laughs> Okay, good. All right. So my friend mind. was arrested for drunken disorderly. Uh, no, no, no. Different story. Different story. <laughs> yeah. No, this friend, uh, she she decided to buy one of these large backyard trampolines. She was very excited about it. She told me about it weeks in advance and um, had gone and, and purchased it on the website from a major retailer. Something to know about my friend, uh, whom I love dearly. Uh, she's not very handy and neither is her husband. Right. They tell me stories about trying to hang art on the wall and ending up with like 40 nail holes in yeah. the wall. Is it like that kind of Or doing what I did, which was I was putting, um, putting something up and I went through an electric cable. <laughs> They've never done that. Yeah. Went through an electric cable and didn't have one of those things that you can tell where the cables are and stuff and like that. And then you died. And then what happened after? Oh, well, this was, uh, I won't bore you with it, but this was just about four hours before we were flying back to England. So we ended up having to get one of these highly extortionately priced electricians that would come around at a drop of a hat to sort it all out. By them. That is very funny, Colin. <laughs> oh, thank you very much for that. It's very nice of you to see that in my hour of need, that this was amusing to you. Colin, you, you nearly electrocuted yourself today <laughs> trying to hang a picture on the wall. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> My friend understands, I mean, she's not as bad as you, but she understands this about herself. When they bought the trampoline, they also clicked the button to buy the service of having somebody come and assemble it for them. Now, in her defense, this is apparently not like the standard trampoline that, you know, you and I are familiar with from our youths where it's like held together with nuts and bolts. And this is apparently like really fancy and actually required some sophistication to get it put together. So ordered the trampoline. It arrived as promised. The service people showed up. Unfortunately, they showed up 
like earlier than they were supposed to. So nobody was home at the time. So they ended up leaving before anybody got home, which was actually before the schedule time. So the problems with the service started right away. So they yep. needed to call and reschedule. And then the person came and started to put it together and got stuck at some point, like couldn't figure out what to do. Started complaining to my friend that this job actually requires two people instead of the one, as if she had any idea of that and that was her fault. And so left, promised to come back later with somebody else, came back later with somebody else. They again couldn't figure it out between the two of them. (laughs) Left, now my friend's husband had to spend hours on the phone with the retailer that sold it to them who couldn't possibly care less. And the reason why is the reason that I, I brought this topic to us today. The problem was that the service provider was not an employee of the retailer. So the retailer had contracted out with local service providers to assemble these things. And so when when my friend's husband called the, the retailer, the retailer was like, look, that's not us. That's not our thing. You have to talk to them. He said they screwed it up. And in fact, they screwed it up badly enough that when they got another service provider out, eventually they said that the first service provider had had broken it. They needed to get a third team out to rebox it properly to ship it out. It was a multi-week nightmare for them. Yeah, yeah. That sounds a, a classic story of dealing with a third party, but selling it as part of your experience. And I, so I want us I want us to talk about this about the third party element because from the company's perspective. It makes a lot of sense, right? If you're if you're a national retailer, you don't want to like form up a service arm and have people like travel or have to manage all. The- so you're just going to subcontract out that work. It makes perfect sense. But from the customer standpoint, there's no line there. This is all their experience with this retailer because that's who they bought from. That disconnect there, I think, causes a lot of customer experience problems. Yeah, and we've dealt with this with uh, different clients, so I'm glad we're, we're talking about this because um, there's some interesting things here. And also, just to, to show some sympathy with you, uh, let me tell you a bad story about Apple. Oh, wow. We've been doing this podcast, mate, three and a half years. We're making some news here. <laughs> three and a half years, and I've never told you a bad story about Apple. You haven't. In fact, um, are you okay? <laughs> I feel, I feel like this is one of the warning signs of, of having a stroke. Yeah, yeah. I have to say I'm feeling a little scared. So, <laughs> Well, please, I'm, I'm interested to hear the, your negative story about Apple. And then you can tell me about a unicorn that you yeah. wrote. <laughs> um, it's not that long. So basically, I recently bought an iPhone 12. It was meant to be delivered the next day. I'm looking forward to getting it. Didn't get it. You know, wasn't delivered. So uh, phoned up Apple and said, hey, uh, you know, where's my phone? It's meant to be delivered the next day. And they said, well, it's delivered by FedEx. Have you contacted FedEx? And I said, no, I bought the phone from you. Mm-hmm. I didn't mm-hmm. buy the phone from FedEx. That, for me, is the same issue, okay? Oh, they yeah, outsource the, the delivery, and it's part of their experience, not my issue that they've decided to do that. If I'd arranged it from FedEx, then that's a different kettle of fish. But I hadn't. So I think the interesting part here for me is that organizations need to understand that how they, and maybe this goes back to framing actually, how they frame their offer 
determines whether that sort of is inclusive of their experience. And let me explain what I mean. So in the case of your friend buying the trampoline, it was, do you want uh, somebody to come and fix it? Yes, tick this box, whatever it may be, and a charge to it. That for me is absolutely going, well, that's part of the, the experience that we're doing. Yeah. They could have turned around and said, we don't do installations, but here are four or five different suppliers that you may choose at your own, what do we call it? Risk uh, prerogative. Ri- thank you. That's the, that's the word I was looking Inspiration. for. Risk. risk. <laughs> that's a good word. I'm walking thesaurus. <laughs> but your own risk that you arrange it. And then I would go, yeah, okay, well, I understand now I need to phone them. But I guess they're trying to add value, aren't they? But at the same time, not take responsibility. I mean, I think that's exactly they've they've. So I, this comes down to a a failure in perspective taking, which is another thing that we've talked about before on the podcast. Where from the the company's perspective, like they've identified, okay, well, assembly is going to be a barrier to purchase for some people. Some people yep. aren't going to want to do this themselves, and then the hassle of finding somebody to do it that's going to cause them to not buy. So let's let's overcome that barrier by providing this service for them. But you're exactly right that they then don't look at it from the customer's perspective, which is from the customer's perspective, this is all going to seem like us. This is all going to seem like it's it's just part of the same service. And so we need to have plans in place for when this goes wrong, because you're not going to be able to vet these people as well as you could your own employees. There's going to be communications issues. So what are your plans for fixing that? Because otherwise you could take a good customer experience and make it terrible. Let me extend the conversation because here we've been talking about sort of in the consumer world, buying stuff, et cetera. But let me extend that conversation to outsourcing in general. Yeah. Okay. Because we've all experienced the fact that you get on the phone to somebody, it's clear that the call center is not in your country of origin. You get transferred about, et cetera. The key issue for me is this, and again, we we have advised lots of different clients on this very topic, is what you have to do is you have to treat that organization as if they are part of your experience. Yes, because your customers are. Yes, absolutely. You need to sort of frame things. So if it's phoning a call center that is then outsourced to somewhere else, I personally don't have an issue with that, as long as the experience that they have when that call is transferred is the same as the experience I would have if I was phoning a company-owned contact center. That's absolutely right. I mean, there are terrible company-owned call centers, right? And they're very well-run outsourced call centers. So it's not an issue of being outsourced or not. The issue, I think, is is almost psychological, where the core company feels like they can now wash their hands of this problem. Like, we've outsourced this. It's somebody else's issue to deal with. We can yell at them when things go wrong, but we don't have to be too involved. And to your point, that's not at all how this is processed from the customer standpoint. From the customer standpoint, you, the company, have failed to deliver on your promises. You've failed to create a good experience. The same applies with, if you give you another example, I landed in Hartsfield 
It's Hartsfield-Jackson International Airport, greatest yes. airport in the world, Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> yeah. In Atlanta. Yeah, in Atlanta, Georgia. It's like the one thing Atlanta has going for it. So I have to. Well, other than about. Emory University, of course. It's, it's true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> those two. Those two. Yeah. I'm glad I had to prompt you on that. <laughs> uh, man, first uh, first you knocking on Apple, then you talking up my, my place of employment. Yeah. This one's going on the shelf, Colin. This one's really going to frame this episode. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> You were in Atlanta's airport. Yeah, I was staying in a hotel mm-hmm. because I was, I can't remember the exact reason, but the, the long and short of it is I ended up waiting for the shuttle, the hotel yes. shuttle to come and pick me up. But I waited for an hour. Yeah. You know? uh, and I just traveled across from England. So I wasn't in the best of moods at the, when I landed anyway, because I was tired. The point I'm trying to make is, again, clearly the hotel had gone Right, okay, well, we're in the hotel business, but we are now going to get into the transport business because we see that there's a need there for our customers, which is good. I mean, let me be clear, you know, that's good. But what they hadn't done is they hadn't sort of, their attitude was, we're doing you a favor. Right. And we're busy. And I'm going, yeah, I know that, but this is part of your experience now, and therefore you need to own it. So I think the issue for me is this. A couple of things. Firstly, typically, organizations outsource things, particularly things like call center, to save costs. Yes. I don't know anybody who has outsourced a call center to improve their customer experience. (laughs) Yes, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And therefore, the metrics they use to measure whether that outsourcing has been successful typically are transactional measures so when i talk to clients it would be about well the transaction costs or the time to answer blah 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 i'm not saying that they don't have customer experience measures they do but they're not the primary thing yeah right and i think the other thing for me is i remember actually talking to an outsourcing company about this What I was saying to them is what you need to find out is you need to find out what the experience is that your your customer is trying to deliver. So in your case here, you know, the retailer, what is the experience that they are trying to deliver? What would, if they were doing it, what would they do in that installation of the trampoline? And that's what then should be specified in that outsourcing contract. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And and extensive opportunities for oversight and for secret shopper type testing. So you can make sure that the that they're actually delivering on that. The customer experience is going to be harder to measure and control than will a lot of these metrics that you can very easily assess. And yet it is, as we will argue over and over again in this podcast, very, very important. To show our appreciation, we are pleased to offer you a 50% discount on my book, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience, Extraordinary Stories of Remarkable Success. I give a number of examples of how the hidden customer experience has a huge impact upon growth and revenues. Please just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash unlock. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash unlock and use the promotional code podcast 50 that's podcast 50 
I would be fascinating to to understand from the listener if anybody has actually outsourced anything to improve their experience. That would be interesting. And when you think about that, and this goes back to, for my first book, Building Great Customer Experiences, uh, I wrote that back in 2002. I remember interviewing a guy from BMW, and he said something that really sort of struck me uh, and has stayed with me ever since. He said, we don't have any onlyers in our organization, an onlyer. In other words, they're only an engineer. They're only uh, the the guy that cleans the car. They're only an outsource company. And I thought, yeah, that's what it's about. I also remember if you go to Disney, and I I presume this is the case, or still is the case, it certainly used to be the case, if you go to the Disney area in uh, Florida where they've got all the shops, I forget what they call that place now. But Main Street? Um, not Main Street, not actually in the in the Disney theme park, but there's an area where they've got lots of uh, shops and they've got a, a, like a nightclub and various different things. Got it. But the point I'm trying to make again is that when you walk into that environment, each of the shops are owned by other companies. Oh, yeah. But it's like walking into a Disney retail environment in the sense of everybody's got uniforms on, everybody's got badges on, everybody has been trained by Disney because they are not only as, oh, they're only a contact center. We don't need to worry about them. They've effectively gone, okay, and the way I always look at this is they're just paying those employees in a different way through another company effectively but that again is a really important part of it does that make sense disney probably understands customer experience better than just about any other company and so it doesn't surprise me to learn that they would treat their third-party contractors as an integrated part of the experience because they understand that from the customer standpoint it is yes Absolutely. I think the interesting bit is it's when you think about it, it's about that mental adjustment, isn't it? That basically says, it goes back to the BMW guy, they're not an onlyer, they're all part of an experience. Again, another example, I'm glad we're talking about this because I've got so many examples of these things. I remember working with um, one of our clients in the early days was a water company. And typically, uh, water utilities obviously outsource a lot of their work. And the interesting debate I was having with a CEO there was, who owns the holes in the road? Hmm. So when they are digging up a mains, they're causing traffic delays and stuff like that. And, you know, they've got this bloody great hole in the road as they're digging up this mains pipe. Who owns that? How is it branded, basically? Because, again, the mentality was not to own it, right. whereas actually my view was that they they should own it because they are looking, hopefully looking to improve things and people know that um, uh, company XYZ actually works for the water utility and so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, whether whether they should or who should own it, I think it's almost unquestionable that from the customer standpoint, the water utility does in fact own that, right? Yes. Nobody's blaming some construction firm that they've never heard of. This is very clearly the water utility's problem. 
And that to me is the central idea. Your example of the the hotel with the shuttle service is an interesting one to me because that's not that was not outsourced. That was not a third party. It was though treated as kind of an extra. And so I think that we we get a version of this problem even within large companies that don't outsource where the company has created these divisions within the organization that are important and relevant within the organization. So, you know, we've all called somewhere and they said, oh, well, I've got to transfer you to, to this other department. You've got to yeah. talk to them. And then when you get to that department, now you have to start your story all over again. And sometimes those, oh, that's not us. We have to transfer you over here. From them, from within the company, I have my domain that I work within and if you want some other problem solved, well, I just, I can't do anything about that. And so I've got to transfer you to, to another. It's that way even more when we're dealing with third-party outsourcers. Um, it all makes sense from within the company, but from the customer standpoint, you're just, you know, it's all one organization. It's all one blob. It's all one brand. And so I just want my problem solved. And the idea that, that I'm now having to engage with multiple different sub-organizations within the company or across companies or... All of that is just polluting the single customer experience that I'm having with your brand, with your organization. Let me give you another example, because now we're talking about this, is it, all these things come flooding back into my mind. And there's going to be a play on words in the word flooding in a moment. We were working for... Was that a reference back to the water company flooding <laughs> it's just it's just free association now it is it is so we were working with an insurance company in england and um, one of the things that we do is we do what we call a customer mirror mm-hmm. which is where we act as a customer okay we basically go and have an experience as a customer the first thing we did with these this company was that they asked us to take out an insurance on an automobile and then crash the car uh, and then go through the claims process, which was interesting. That's amazing. Yeah, it was. It's really, really, <laughs> really good fun, actually. But again, it's just interesting how all that thing's run. I won't get sidetracked into that story. I have another story, but that's associated with the same company. Because that was highly successful and they, you know, they got to learn so many different things from it. Because you were very successful in crashing a car into a tree. Congratulations. We, <laughs> we were very successful. They then said to us, oh, now what we would like you to do is we would like you to flood an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have not accepted money from these people. This, this would have paid for itself in the experience. Though. Yeah. It, you know, so, okay, well, why do you want us to flood the apartment? Well, because flooding an apartment causes us to use a lot of contractors. So the interesting bit was we we then went, okay, right, so flood an apartment. So first of all, clearly, we've got to find an apartment we can flood. <laughs> so, so so now we're searching around. And obviously, we're not going to do this. Um, 16th floor. Let's yeah. do that one. Yeah, yeah we decided that we obviously needed to tell the landlord, whoever it was, that this is what we wanted to do. And obviously, then they charged extra and everything else, which was fine. And then we left the tap running overnight and the place was flooded and we'd taken out insurance on this before uh, and somebody was one of the our team was actually sort of in the apartment and and then we went through the whole process of going through the claim okay so a couple of interesting points that come out of of that one was 
This is a classic. One was, we did this flooding, okay, and it was like on the ground floor of this house. What we hadn't realised was they had a basement. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And all the water ended up in the basement. Uh, But anyway, so the consultant contacted the company to go, uh, okay, look, I've just flooded the apartment. Could you come around? The loss adjuster, uh, who's like the representative of of the company, came in. And knocked on the door and said, uh, right, okay, you know, come to, to assess the damage to start putting things in motion. And they said, uh, oh, there's an excess of £200, $300 on your policy. You need to pay that before we start. And she said, the consultant, uh, our consultant said, well, I, I don't have that. You know, I, haven't, I haven't got that, you know, on me. And he said, I'll take you down to the ATM. <laughs> <laughs> So he went down to took her down to the ATM to pay the the two hundred pounds to start the process. I'm getting a bit sidetracked here, but but the the issue then became, and this is the key point: our consultant was the project manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in other words, once the assessor had said, "Yeah, okay, well, we need a humidifier here. We need to um, probably you know, a dehumidifier." Call dehumidifier. Thank you very never much. Never hire you. <laughs> to repair my house. We flooded your flat. Let's make it worse for you. (laughs) We flooded your flat, but we're really going for a tropical vibe here. So we're going to... That's right, yeah. But the client had to handle everything themselves. Yes, that's the point. So yes, they were... Yes, they were insured. Yes, the painter and decorator turned up. They got new carpets. They had the dehumidifier, you know, blah, 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 blah. The 27 things that the customer knew that, uh, or sorry, the organization knew that they had to do. And and let me be clear, they paid for it. It wasn't yeah, a problem. Yeah. But it's exactly like the customer then being the project manager and having to go, well, where's, where's the painter and decorator? And they haven't done this. And can you come and take these dehumidifiers out? They've been here a month after the bloody things, you know. And they didn't own the problem, I guess, is uh, one of the key pieces of the feedback we gave to the client. I would like to recognize your client for being so forward thinking and realizing that an experience that included a lot of third-party contractors was going to be different from another type of experience, like an auto problem that only had to deal with one repair shop. So good on them. And I would encourage more companies to think like that, to, to realize that these experiences are all going to be tied back to you. It's going to reflect on you if these third parties don't perform well. And so what are you going to do? What systems are you going to put in place to to deal with that? Okay, so let's pull this to a close then, Ryan, and do our usual question of, so what? what, you know, what's the practical advice? What does this mean that you think you should do? For me, it's really about looking at things from your customer's perspective. And if you can't do that and it's it's hard, then, you know, hiring a somebody like Colin to come in and take that customer's perspective for you and provide you insights is a good way to do it. But, you know, you, you talked about reframing or trying to communicate these things differently as a way of managing this. And I think that that's, that's right. We all walk into situations with what psychologists call a script or, or kind of a framework for how things work. If you're ordering the services through a company's website, then you expect that those services are provided by that company. Like you're not going to create mental barriers there. There's a lot of stories of 
you know, multiple companies working within the same space. So for example, like at a Best Buy, they'll have a counter that's also like Geek Squad or something where the computer repair shop within the electronics store of Best Buy. And those companies or those employees don't work for Best Buy. They work for a different company. But from the customer's perspective, you know, you want to find out where a certain TV is. Here's this person who's clearly an employee who's within this store. And so they're not adhering to the script, which is that every employee within that store should be an employee of that store. So from the customer's perspective, it makes sense in one way. From the company's perspective, it makes sense in a different way. In those instances, the customer wins from the customer experience management standpoint. And so if if you're violating what the customer expects, you better have processes in place for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I would add to that with uh, two or three short things that may help you. One is you can find out where you can extend your experience by using journey mapping. So if you do journey mapping and you do it from not just your part of the journey, but from the customer's perspective to reinforce Ryan's point of the journey, you can see where you can extend your experience too. So the hotel example would be a good one where you know somebody arrives at the airport and then needs to get transport into the hotel. Second thing is, this is about, for me, defining the experience. You need to define the experience that you want to deliver. Then you can choose how you're going to deliver it. And that delivery could either be done by your own organization, or it can be done by a third party organization. And if the third party organization are going to do it, that's absolutely fine. But don't make them only as treat them as if they were uh, were full time employees of your organization and measure them on yes, measure them on on the sort of operational measures but also measure them on the same customer experience measures that you would have, okay? And again, I'll just reinforce this, don't treat them as an onlyer. They're part of your experience. We hope that's been of use today. One favour, Ryan, I would like to ask you, and that is please just tell somebody about the podcast. We're trying to get out to more listeners. Over the last three and a half years, the podcast has grown incredibly but we always like to see those numbers going up so just think of one person that you could suggest that they listen to the podcast or one episode and especially this episode like find somebody who's who's shocked that colin would ever say something negative about (laughs) apple talk to that person (laughs) thanks for that mate (laughs) okay talk to you next week cheers This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.